Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to our Monday night Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm Andrew Womack. We've got our director, Richard Harris, here with us. And tonight our guest is uh, our good friend, uh, Lieutenant General, isn't it? Yes, Lieutenant sir. General Jerry Boykin retired. And uh, he's got a great perspective on, we were talking before the program about what's happening in Ukraine with these spy balloons coming over, our readiness, preparedness, and I think it's gonna be a really great program. But before we get to General Boykin, uh, Richard's gonna share with you some things and also tell you how you can be a part of what we're doing tonight. That's right. Well, thank you, Andrew. And uh, yeah, what a pleasure it is to have General Boykin with us. Thanks everybody for watching tonight. Uh, if you're watching uh, on Facebook or on any social media channels, we just want to encourage you to jump over and watch directly on our website, especially if you are on YouTube there, because uh, sometimes these folks don't like the truth and uh, they might censor us or drop the, drop the signal. So watch directly on our website. And we've got some new resources there on the website I wanted to mention to you, especially our new pastor's resource page, where we've hand-selected certain resources that we think are ideally suited to help pastors be equipped and to equip their flocks to stand up for truth in our culture. And so be sure to check that out and uh, why don't you forward that link to your pastor and uh, ask him to take a look at it. Um, we've got some great events coming up here at Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College. Uh, the men's advance, annual men's advance is right around the corner, March 9th through the 11th. And uh, Andrew's gonna be ministering along with Jeremy Pearsons. If you've never heard Jeremy before, he's a really good Bible teacher. I really enjoy listening to him and you will too. And one of our favorites is Bishop E.W. Jackson. And anytime you get to hear E.W. preach, I tell you, it's a treat. He'll set you on fire. And CEO of Andrew Womack Ministries, Billy Epperhart. So that's going to be a great event, March 9th through the 11th. Campus Days is March 15th through the 17th here in Woodland Park. And Andrew will be ministering along with Carrie Pickett and many others. That is a wonderful time. So if you're, you know, if you're considering Karis Bible College, there's no better place to come to check it out than Campus Days. And uh, I really encourage you to do that. Also, a new event called Empowered 2023, March 29th through April 1st with Dr. Randy Clark, Mike Hutchings, and Dr. Randy Hogue are all going to be ministering here at uh, Karis Bible College. And then the last thing I want to mention is The Cure. The Cure, April 20th through the 22nd. How many of you know the great physician has the cure, right? So Andrew's going to be ministering with Ashley and Carly, Teradez, and Joseph Z. So that's going to be an awesome time. Yeah, let me just mention that this Empower Conference and the Cure Conference are not my conferences. They are using our facility. I am going to be speaking at the Cure. And I was just with Ashley and Carly in Orlando this last week, and it was powerful. Uh, Carly got to ministering in the gifts of the Spirit and called out. And we had over a hundred people come forward and testify of metal rods in their back being dissolved. They couldn't oh bend gosh. over and they could touch their toes. Wow. We saw a lot of miracles happen. Wow. So it was Praise really good. God. That's awesome. 
That's really awesome. So guys, uh, I wanted to mention too that uh, if you're not a subscriber to Truth and Liberty, you really need to become one. I know that all of our inboxes get flooded all the time with all this information, but our, our emails are designed to give you information that's going to help you stand for truth in the public square. So everything from important articles to blogs to other resources and things like that. So go on our website, upper right hand corner, click subscribe, and we'll get you signed up there. And you'll also, um, your name will go in a hat to receive a free product. The, uh, last week we gave away uh, Aunt, uh, Billy Epperhart's book called Run Your Race. And Jody Walker, congratulations on that. Jody, you've won that. So you'll be getting an email about how you can claim that gift. And this week we're giving away Andrew's book, More Grace, More Favor, Releasing the Untapped Power of Humility in Your Life. And, um, you know, that is one of those areas of the Christian walk that I think doesn't get enough attention, but is humility. It is a key to the kingdom, guys. So subscribe today and be eligible uh, for the drawing to get that. Also, Andrew mentioned it's interactive tonight. Put your comments and questions for General Boykin and Andrew and myself in the comment section on our uh, on our website there on the live cast or the comment section on Facebook, and we'll do our best to get to those. And I wanted to also mention that if you're not a member of Truth and Liberty, this is a way for you to make a real practical difference in advancing truth in our culture. Instead of just sitting around and getting mad at the TV or griping and complaining about all the stuff going on, why don't you become a Truth and Amen. Liberty member today where your money, your dollars can be invested in making a difference. Just go on our website to the donate page. You can sign up to be a member by making an automatic recurring gift of $5 or more per month. And when you do, we'll send you this gift in the mail, which is a copy of the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, excuse me, and the Declaration of Dependence upon God and His Holy Bible. So we really appreciate the generosity of our members. And uh, just keep in mind that gifts to Truth and Liberty Coalition are ta not tax deductible because we're a 501c4 organization. But if you need tax credit for your gift, uh, we can uh, facilitate that. But you need to give to Truth and Liberty uh, Foundation. Foundation, and you can find that website at truthandliberty.foundation. So uh, last thing is if you need prayer tonight, we've got a team of spirit-filled, Word of God trained prayer ministers standing by a whole room full. Just call in 719-635-1111 and they'll be more than happy to agree with you in prayer. And tonight, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, retired, is our guest. He's been a great friend. He's been on this program many times, has come here and ministered, and I tell you, uh, he's awesome. He's the executive vice president of Family Research Council. He was a part of the original Delta Force. He's 36 years in the military, active duty, seen combat. And uh, man, you just uh, got through with the battle of your life just within the last week or two. Tell us what happened to you, General. We can't. I think hear he's you. muted. Uh, we can't hear you, Jen. Yeah, I got. I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. I thought something Let's else had happened to you. Here. All right. So, so what happened to you? Well, I on the third on the 14th of uh, January, I had a quadruple bypass and a carotid artery uh, procedure as well, um, and, and it was really a miracle, as I explained to you and Richard earlier. I was out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma on a hunt and I felt pressure in my chest and I went into a little town to find an EMT that could give me a, a uh, uh, take my blood pressure and uh, 
they took my blood pressure and they did an EKG and they did a couple of things and sent them to one of the major heart centers in America, and that's the Oklahoma uh, Heart Hospital. And there's there's three hospitals like this, Christian-owned, I might add. Oh, and uh, they were about to let me go from this little clinic in, uh, in this little town I was in. And then the lady came in and said, sir, I, I can't let you go. She said, the guy that's reading all this stuff on the other end at the uh, Oklahoma Heart Hospital says he knows you and you can't leave. You have to come straight to the hospital. So there's an ambulance outside. We're sending you to the heart hospital. It turned out that I had uh, I had served with this guy. He was a retired colonel, a, 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 a surgeon, a heart surgeon. But uh, he had served with me in the Balkans and knew who I was. And when he saw my name there and he looked at what they were sending him, he said, no, you're going into surgery right away. So uh, it was a miraculous thing. And again, this was an all Christian hospital. And then it, that just began a series of miracles. But look, I'm back. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. A month out of from surgery, I'm feeling good, doing well. I'm, I'm on the treadmill every day. Uh, I'm doing some light weight lifting. And so I am in good shape and I'm ready to get out and get back on the circuit and uh, and start giving the uh, the devil a black eye. Amen. Well, we sure appreciate you taking the time to zoom in with us. That's such a blessing. Amen. So with all of your experience, uh, you have knowledge of things that the average person doesn't. What do you think about all of these balloons and the things that's been going on here in the U.S.? What's your take on this? Yeah, first of all, I think there's multiple things that we need to look at here. Uh, I don't believe that this is the first time balloons have, have been flown into U.S. airspace, but I do believe that it is valid that uh, NORAD, because of the way they set their radars, NORAD has not been focused on things like balloons or small objects, which compared to airplanes, bombers, fighters, and missiles, uh, these are small items. And I think that uh, they've probably done this uh, a number of times and we just didn't pick it up. But the other thing is, and I think it's very clear that uh, the, uh, the, the Chinese, especially the Chinese Communist Party, which is, is China, uh, they are doing reconnaissance. They're doing reconnaissance on our missile bases. They're doing reconnaissance on our, our strategic facilities that would respond to any kind of uh, strategic strike that they might try to, they or anybody else might, might try to, to uh, pull off against us. So I think that this is uh, it's prov provocative on part of the Chinese, uh, and they had to know that at some point they were going to be discovered. So let me and, ask you this, General. Uh, could they not see these things by satellite? Does these balloons give them better reconnaissance, or what's the advantage of this? Yeah, the satellites are really not looking for these things. Satellites have got specific targets on the ground that they're looking at, and they're programmed from right uh, outside of Washington there at the, uh, the center that, that uh, controls all those satellites. And uh, so, no, I don't think that they could see, the satellites could not see these things. And, I'm sure that if they had adjusted, sort of like the NORAD radars, 
if they had adjusted properly, they may have been able to pick some of these things up. But their field of view uh, is really designed to be able to focus in on a tar target on the ground or target at sea and, uh, and tell you everything that's there. So, uh, uh, you well, I, I, I wonder if the general might have misunderstood the question because uh, do the Chinese satellites, could they have gathered whatever intel they wanted? Why did they oh. have to send balloons? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that was my question. I thought so. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Well, I'm still foggy, you know, from my <laughs> Well, you, you're doing really good. You're doing from great. Being foggy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think that there are. There are certain things, whether you're collecting imagery or whether you're collecting signals, and you can read that as phone calls, as radio calls, whatever the case might be. There are certain things that you need to probably get to a lower altitude in the case of imagery to be able to see into a canyon or see into something where the satellite at the angle that it is overhead is not going to give you as good an access into those places as something that you can get down to a lower altitude. And all of these have been at lower altitudes, uh, 60,000 feet being the highest and uh, 20,000 being the lowest. So in your opinion, do you think they collected uh, sensitive data that gives them uh, information they didn't have? Absolutely. They flew over three of our uh, strategic nuclear bases these are the bases from which uh, we would launch a counterstrike if they if they opened a uh, fire on us with a a uh, nuclear weapon, and they also flew over several of our air bases, and they even flew over Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is the home of our Green Berets and our special operations, and uh, they flew over all of those. Yes, they collected information, intelligence against those things. And they forwarded that back by satellite back to China. Now, I have heard some people claim that, well, we uh, we jammed them so they couldn't send that information back. Yeah, okay, you're gonna have to prove that to me before I will believe it because yeah. I don't I don't think that they have any uh, record of success in jamming those things like that. Uh, and and I think that all that information went back to the Chinese. So even though we got the balloon now, we don't know what they sent back. We don't know what kind of information they sent back. We don't know what they had uh, that was of value to them. So can I get your opinion on uh, Biden, Biden not shooting this thing down when it was first detected and letting it fly across the entire U.S. before he shot it down? I think that was a critical mistake. He should have shot it down when it reached the Aleutian Islands. That was as close as it was going to come to the land, American soil, before it actually crossed into uh, our terrestrial areas. We should have knocked it out of the sky right then. We had no way of knowing, and, and again, people argue with me about this, but I'm going to say this to you on this program. We had no way of knowing what was on that balloon. It could have had, for example, a low-yield nuclear warhead that would stimulate, if, if exploded, an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, which would shut down large amounts of our power grids and everything electronic. Or it could have been a chemical or biological weapon on there. 
that's why we should have shot it down before it crossed into our airspace. And then once it got in our airspace, we let it just go where it wanted to go until it got out over the ocean and we knocked it down. I think that was a terrible mistake on Biden's part. We knew from the time they spotted that thing, we knew that was a Chinese balloon. And we knew it was there to collect against us, for sure. But what else was it there for? Did it have another payload? And we didn't know that. And we took the risk of letting that thing fly over America. And I think that was a terrible mistake. And he, he didn't do that the second time. And that is because of, I think, the, the American public was up in arms about it, about letting that thing fly over. They, they didn't feel very secure knowing that the president of the United States was letting China fly a balloon over America and not knowing what was inside that balloon, but speculating it was an intel platform. Well, you know, I know that this is conjecture on your part, but what do you think would have happened with Trump if he was president? What do you think the response would have been? Uh, the only thing you'd have to worry about with Trump is that he'd he'd blow it out of the water before it left Japanese waters. <laughs> I think well, he, that, I, that, I that think that Putin might not have invaded the Ukraine either if Trump would have been president. I think that uh, Trump really caused our uh, adversaries around the world to respect us. Now, you being a military man, I would appreciate your opinion on that. I have said that. Publicly, I've said it on numerous uh, media programs that uh, I believe that two things, two things that were key to Putin's final decision. One was just what you just said. We had a president that was not up to the task. But if Donald Trump had been there, I don't believe he would have done that because he he has dealt with a Trump enough to know that Trump is a decisive man. He is not. He doesn't joke around, and I don't think he would have done that. The second thing was the, the way we left Afghanistan. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And watching yeah. our ineptness as we pulled out of Afghanistan. That just told him that we are weak. Our president is weak. Our president, uh, is, he's, he's afraid of the Chinese. Mm. He's afraid of the Russians. He doesn't let on to that. But he is. He's afraid of them. And I think that's because he's got a bunch of, uh, and I'll, I'll get some emails on this, but <laughs> he's got a bunch of Harvard and Yale graduates that are in their 20s that are surrounding him in the White House there. And uh, and war is something that they just they can't, can't fathom. Mm. And what we need to understand is the best deterrent to war is a strong defense. Amen. Yeah. And a and a strong commander in chief who is willing to use those capabilities if necessary. And I'll probably get some emails, so I'll join you in this, uh, General. But they have emasculated our military so that they've gotten rid of the true patriots and they are encouraging people that can't even figure out which restroom to go into. And I tell you, our military, what's your opinion on that? Is our military brass? still up to it, or is it just the president that doesn't have the guts? You know, Andrew, uh, what we need to recognize is that the senior generals today uh, were people that started the, the, their, uh, their general 
jobs under Barack Obama. Oh, wow. That says a lot. Now, what was the criteria for for choosing? uh, Not all of them. There are some. There are some good ones. But we're seeing right now, we're seeing the senior most people that got their stars under Barack Obama. And he was more concerned about whether they were willing to support his agenda. Because remember, he was the one that started the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. He was the one that started the uh, transgenders in the military. He was the one that put women in the infantry, that did all of these things. And uh, and now we're living with the consequences of that. Elections have consequences. They certainly do. General Dub. Uh, the news, uh, the media reports coming out after that balloon said that they had jammed uh, or, or prevented it from collecting any uh, sensitive information. And then from that point forward, now he shot down uh, three other uh, airborne things, but they're, they're acting like they don't know anything about these except like, well, it's about the size of a car. Well, it was cylindrical or this last one was hexagon shaped. Are we being lied to, do you think, to be honest? Can I just ask that? Are, are they telling us the truth here, or is there something more serious uh, going on? Well, I don't think a day goes by that we don't uh, we don't get a, uh, what shall I say, a false story from the administration on some topic, and this is no different than that. I think that, uh, I think that they probably are trying to figure out how they're gonna spin this thing to make a, a good story out of it. I think it's a good story that they shot him down. The problem was they they shot him down in US territory. And uh and that's that's not a good thing. But uh yes, I think that the I mean, how many times do you hear the press secretaries stand up there and tell you something that you know, you can believe me or you can believe your lying eyes is like the border secure. <laughs> yeah, right. Here's another thing. Today, they came out, the State Department came out with a warning for all U.S. citizens to get out of Russia immediately. And I've got a very good friend who lives in Moscow, has a church there, and he told me that nearly every tall building in Moscow is putting on anti-aircraft defenses and things like this. Do you have an opinion on what's going on? Is something big happening between the U.S. and Russia? Well, no, I, no. What I think this is, is Putin is in big trouble. I think the people have turned against Putin. And it's just like it was when they were in uh, Afghanistan for a decade. The moms back in, in, in Russia got tired of seeing their sons come home in body bags with no explanation as to why they were there in the first place and why their son had been killed. Well, you got the same thing now, and this this is even worse because this is closer to home. This is right on their own borders, and nobody can explain to them why it was necessary to invade uh, the Ukraine. So I think that uh, what you're seeing is you're seeing Putin trying to create a monster that may not be there, trying to create a threat that may not be there, trying to say America is a threat, NATO is a threat. And we need to get ready because we may be the next on their on their list. And uh, I think that Putin, I think this is going to be the end of Putin, regardless of what he does here. 
But uh, I also think that uh, it's a good idea to get the Americans out of there because we have seen previously that they will capture and arrest Americans with no provocation, and then they wind up being charged with something like espionage, and you know, and they, it takes a long time to get them back if we get them back at all. Well, excuse me for just grilling you on these things, but man, I value your opinion. I know our viewers do too. But uh, Hunter Biden had connections in the Ukraine, and there's uh, indications that. Uh, uh, President Biden has gotten a lot of money from some of the oligarchs in the Ukraine and stuff like this. What do you think about the U.S. participation in arming the Ukraine? And um, what's going on there? Do you have an opinion on this? I do, and I support um, arming the Ukraine. I support the Ukrainian people. Now, one of the first things people say is, well, they're corrupt. And my response to that is, you're an American, and you're calling some other government corrupt? Really? <laughs> We've I mean, had just a little about? bit of corruption Ouch. in our government, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yes, they're known to be corrupt, but, but show me a country over there that isn't. Um, but here's the thing we need to remember. We're part of NATO. Putin has no intentions of stopping in the Ukraine. In 2008, we sat back and watched him go into Georgia and take parts of Georgia. And then in 2014, we watched him go into uh, the Crimea, and he took the Crimea, and we didn't try to stop him then. So where is he going next? He's not going to stop. And what most of the analysts believe is that he'll go for the Baltic countries next. And then Poland would be probably the next after that. So we either stop him now or we fight a hot war with our NATO allies just as soon as he invades the first one of those that I just mentioned. Because under Article 5, we are bound to uh, come in and an attack on one is an attack on all. That's how NATO wound up in uh, the, uh, the war on terror, I'll call it. That's how NATO wound up there, because Afghanistan, the attack from Afghanistan, was an attack on America. That was an attack on all. And NATO went in to, to be part of that. So here's, no another, here's another question for you, just from me, my perspective. But, you know, in 89, when the Berlin Wall fell and everybody was talking about the Soviet Union is done for, and they were saying, peace, peace, but the Bible says there is no peace. And so I knew that that wasn't going to be the end of trouble. And I, I prayed and I asked the Lord. And the Lord told me in 89 that in my lifetime, China would be every bit as big a threat as the U.S., uh, I mean, as the Soviet, former Soviet Union was. So right. let me just ask you for your opinion on China. I've heard that they are building their Navy at a rapid pace. They are uh, getting hypersonic missiles and stuff. How do you think the U.S. stacks up to China? Is it a threat? Are we ready for this? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And I, I don't, I'm not sure I can give you a good answer on that. Uh, their Navy is the largest Navy in the world now, and they have the most modern aircraft carriers. Now, it's good to have them, but it's something else to know how to use them, and that takes uh, years of planning and practicing and so forth before you can be as effective 
as the U.S. Navy. So even though they have it, uh, it's going to take them a while to, to get it ready for uh, war. But that said, I'm look, people don't understand that China is at war with us. In fact, Ambassador Pete Huckstra and I, uh, about three months ago, we, we published a book called The Communist Party in China is at War with America. Now, that was not a supposition on our part. That was their words in one of their periodicals that is produced by the Communist Party. They made that statement, we're at war with America. It's not the kind of war that, that you know, we would expect, but it can turn into that very quickly. But if you go back to 1998, you can find a document called Unrestricted Warfare. And I encourage all of your viewers to go find this online, Unrestricted Warfare. It was a treatise written by two PLA colonels and that's People's Liberation Army, the Chinese military. And they wrote this treatise, and they talked about exactly how they were going to take over America, what they were going to do, how they were going to do it. And I think in, in 98, everybody laughed at them and said, you know, you can't do that. Well, if you'll go read that treatise and you look at the things that are happening to include the reconnaissance with these, with these balloons and other platforms, and uh, the uh, the all-out, uh, you know, economic warfare that's going on with them. And uh, their uh, string of pearls where they're building little bases all over the world where they've got bases that they can launch from. Uh, and you just look at all of those things, and what you'll see is they told us they were going to do that, and they have, but nobody has taken them seriously. And now... Before it's too late, we had better back up, take a second look, and realize that they are at war with us. And we're on the losing side right now until we get our act together and we get some leadership in this country, like we had at one time, that's willing to stand up to the Chinese and is not kowtowed by them every time they say boo to us. Mm. Well, you know, this leads me to another question. If what you're saying is true about the majority of our generals now being appointed during Obama's era and they don't have the same metal in them that previous generals have had, and if the China, Chinese have the largest um, naval force in the world, and ours is spread all over the world, theirs is concentrated, how, how do we stack up right now if there was a conflict? What would happen? Yeah, let me make sure that there's no uh, confusion. It's not the majority of the generals today, right? because many of those that got promoted moved on, but the, the senior most generals are the ones that started down the, the general officer or admiral road uh, under Barack Obama. How do we stack up against them? Um, I think that strategically, in terms of uh, our nuclear forces and their nuclear forces, our biggest shortcoming is the hypersonic technology, which, by the way, we started a hypersonic program at one time. Mm -hmm. And then because of budget cuts, uh, we cut the, 
budget and we stopped the hypersonic program until we saw that both the Russians and the Chinese had hypersonic weapons and we restarted the program. So it's ongoing right now, but we're playing catch up right now. How do we stack up against them? I'm going to say this. It is, it is the will of the American fighting man that is the equalizer on the battlefield. It is the willingness of the American soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guardsman to fight and give it the last full measure if that's what it's required. You've been there. You, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, what I would say to you is, I still have confidence in our military. The question is, how long is that going to be the case? I think right now we're the winners because we've got experience. We've got the right kind of people. But if we let the kinds of things continue to happen that are happening right now because of the leadership that we have starting as the, at the commander in chief, and we continue to focus on all of this uh, woke agenda stuff rather than focusing on war fighting, focusing on readiness. You know, Douglas MacArthur stood in the mess hall in 1962 at West Point, and, uh, and he spoke to all the cadets there, and he said to them, a great famous speech, you see it in the, in the movie MacArthur, and he said, your mission, he was talking, your mission, the Army's mission, your mission remains fixed, determined, inviolable. It is to win the nation's wars. That has not changed. What has changed is our focus on preparing to win the nation's wars because we've got too many distractions today with all of the critical race theory and the inclusion and, and the transgenders and all of these things. They're doing nothing to help us prepare our young men and women to win the nation's wars. And that has to change, but that's gonna take a commander in chief that understands it. And you know, General, I've been watching a lot of World War II documentaries and stuff. And one of the things, of course, the military of no doubt vital part, but the American ability to produce things, our economic stuff, we just literally drove Japan and uh, Germany into the ground, and yet our liberal people are destroying our economy, such as the gas prices going up, cutting off. We were energy independent. We could, we could put pressure on people, and from my understanding, this is one of the reasons that the Soviet Union fell apart, and the arms race, we just were able to out-compete. And yet the liberals are killing our ability to do that because of what you're saying, this woke agenda. They're focused on things that have nothing to do with the really important issues. Absolutely. And, and what's going to stop them? What's going to stop them? Congress has to step in. And in fact, you know, I think some of the members of Congress, I'm working with a couple of them. Uh, I think they're, they're looking at how they step in to this because they realize that we're vulnerable. They realize that uh, it's not going, we're not going to be the big dog on the block forever. Not militarily. We may be economically. And even that is in doubt. But we need a commander in chief 
that understands the military, cares about the military, that understands the mission of the military, and is willing to make the hard decisions to say, all of that stuff you've been doing, stop it right now and get back to preparing to win wars. Amen. Well, General Boykin, I, uh, you know, I remember back in the early 90s when Clinton was president and the United States Congress voted to give China most favored nation status that enabled uh, normal trade relations to occur there. And ever since then, China's been on this uh, trajectory uh, and now they have a GDP that is, it's still a little bit lower than the United States, but not much. And that economic uh, growth is what's allowing them to build this massive military. Wouldn't you agree the first thing that we ought to do is, is uh, cancel those, that uh, stupid decision that we made back in the 90s? And if the United States did that, it would probably, I think, have a massive effect on China. What do you think? I think there's a number of things we can do, and I say, I mean, there that is no, there's no question about what you just laid out there, that that would have a major impact on China's economy. Um, the other thing is there are there are sanctions that we have not yet imposed on China, and I think that things like these, uh, this balloon and these other things that are floating around in our atmosphere, uh, those are good reasons as far as I am concerned, for us to impose additional sanctions on, on the Chinese. They need us more than we need them. That's right. It's absolutely true. That's right. And you know, you've commanded people in battle before and, and nobody likes war. I mean, generals would love to never have to fight a war through being strong, but sometimes war is better than the alternative. And to take a passive Thing. I think it was Churchill that said World War II was the most preventable war in history if they would have stood up mm. to Hitler mm. in the beginning. Okay. And I think that we're in that situation where if we don't stand now, we're going to be fighting a world war uh, later. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think, you know, when Neville Chamberlain came back saying peace in our time, uh, that, that marked the, uh, the beginning, I think the real beginning of a uh, of a global war, yeah. and you you can't you've got to stand up to a bully, and uh, and quite frankly, that's what uh, I see Putin as. He's a bully, and we got to stand up to him. You know, when I was in the ninth grade, there was a guy I won't call his name in case he's watching or something, <laughs> but he was a bully, and he had flunked two grades, and he just beat up on everybody. And anyway, he was beaten up on the smallest kid in our class in ninth grade, and I just stood up to him. And he threatened to beat me up. I said, you know, you probably can't beat me up, but I'm not going to let you do this. And he respected me because of that, and he became my own protector, the worst bully in the whole school. <laughs> he became my protector because he just admired somebody that would stand up to him. And so what you're saying, man, bullies, that's how they communicate. The Islamic, uh, they've seen our weakness and stuff as an open invitation to attack us. And I tell you, we need people like you. Have you ever thought about going back to active duty? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could pass the physical. Yeah. Hey, real quickly, before we start taking some uh, questions, could you tell us about you, what you do as executive vice president at Family Research Council? You guys are dealing with Washington, D.C. and politicians and all kinds of things all of the time. What do you do there? 
Yeah, we are. Uh, we were created by uh, Dr. Dobson, one of your neighbors there in the, in the Colorado area, uh, uh, 40 years ago. Uh, and he wanted a uh, presence in Washington that could lobby Congress for public policy that supported faith, family, and freedom. So he set up the Family Research Council, and in a very short period of time, he realized it had taken a life of its own. So he gave them a separate board and cut them loose from, from the uh, focus on the family. And, and we are we are today still very much a public policy organization, but we are registered with the tax code uh, as a association of churches and ministries. We have pastors network. We have a men's network as, as you have seen. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do lobby Congress. We do help uh, states. We help state legislatures to draft bills. We do all kinds of things uh, with regards to supporting the states as well as supporting our own Congress, uh, both the House and the Senate. And uh, and then we have uh, we have broadcast capabilities where we run a, a daily uh, broadcast to uh, get information out. It's sort of exactly the same thing that you're doing in terms of trying to equip people to know what the truth is and how to stand up against some of this stuff that's going on in our country today. So I saw that they put up a lower thirds where they had Stand Courageous, which is one of your ministries to men, right. trying to train people. And then also, uh, I guess they could go to uh, frc.com if they want to get more information about the Family Dot Research org. Council. .org. .org. FRC.org. All right, and if a person wanted to partner with you, is there information there on the website how they could do all, all that? All right there. It's okay. all there. That's great. So we've, I'm sure, got a lot of questions. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. So are you ready for some questions, General? Let's do it. All right, General. This first one uh, is going to go back to the, uh, uh, the Chinese spy balloon. And uh, this viewer wants to know, um, uh, why you think Joe Biden was afraid to shoot it down? Is it because he's afraid of a Chinese military response or because he has um, financial links to China? Well, the first one for sure, I think he's afraid of China. He's afraid of the, the, uh, of Deng Xiaoping. And uh, now that said, Deng Xiaoping, I mean, President Xi, he's afraid of him. Uh, that said, that's why we're doing an investigation right now on his son, Hunter. And if, if you listen to most of the uh, members of Congress that are on that committee that are investigating Hunter, you'll find out that if they're a Republican, they'll say, and we have significant evidence that would lead us to believe the president was aware of what his son was doing and was in fact part of it. So it could be both, but for sure it's because our, our president uh, does not know how to deal with uh, with the Chinese right now. 
Um, just to follow up on that is, um, do you think that the, uh, so they, they claim, the, the, the word they told us was they didn't want the debris from the balloon to hurt people on the ground. Uh, do you think that was really uh, part of the reasoning or was that just a ruse to allow them to let it to float all the way across from the United States? Well, I think it's, it's a legitimate concern. That's why they should have shot it down when it got to the Aleutian Islands. They should have shot it down over water when it got to the Aleutians before it crossed into, they saw it out there, they saw it out there in plenty of time to make the decision and get out there and shoot it down. Well, the one that they just shot down this week was over Canada, wasn't it? And I assume yeah. it was shot down over land. There was Canada, Alaska, and Lake Huron now. Three others. Right. Man. They let yeah. them all get in into the airspace there. Yeah. But, but you know, what's in Canada? I mean, what, what what's up there in Canada? A lot yeah. of snow. That's right. <laughs> well, so here's another question, General Boykin. Um, Will the investigations into Congress uh, or by Congress about the weaponization of the FBI targeting pro-life Christians actually result in anything? What do you think is going to come of all these investigations? Yeah, you know, um, I think that I think the Republicans are serious now about taking action and and putting a stop to some of this nonsense. You know, the other one they've got going is uh, is. Uh, the tech companies shutting people down and mm -hmm. censoring people and all that. That's another one that's going. And they're just not going to put up with this. And, you know, the Republicans got got the House of Representatives by a very small margin for a reason. And that is because people's expectations are that what they have seen in the past is going to change. And if the Republicans don't do that, if they don't follow up these investigations with some absolute positive steps, uh, then they're not going to win. They're not going to win the next election. They certainly will not take the Senate. And this is a perfect opportunity to take the Senate because there are more uh, Democrats up for re-election than there are Republicans. So they've got to do it. But I think that uh, the crew we've got in there now, starting with Jim Jordan, uh, I think they're, they're of a mind to, to make sure that there is action that follows up the recommendations of these these uh, investigations. So the people in the House are making some uh, strong statements and they're getting these committees going, but what is the chance of much coming of it with the Senate and the presidents being able to pretty much stop whatever they do? Yeah, well, it's, you know, some of that can wind up being a legal issue. So it would have it would have to be turned over to the Department of Justice. But the and, Department and, of Justice is part of the thing that's under investigation. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, this is a matter of messaging also. Uh, there's enough suspicion surrounding this president right now. So I think that, uh, yeah, this it, is a, a rock and a hard place. But that said, I think that if they message this right, I think the Department of uh, Justice will be left with no option but to, to do something. And if they don't do something, it will kill them in the election, in my opinion. Well, if the people in the House would come to some conclusions and then uh, disseminate that information, hopefully the uh, population would not allow, I mean, it would be so unpopular that even the Senate 
yeah. would agree with them and stuff, so that'd be good. Yeah. Well, uh, General Boykin, you know, we don't really need any more federal spending, but what, how much uh, do, uh, how much do we need to increase the federal defense budget by? And uh, probably maybe just comment on what are those, uh, what does that additional spending need to go to? How far behind are we? Well, first of all, uh, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I haven't looked at the budget in uh, in a long time. That said, it would be nice if we could replace the $83 billion worth of equipment Amen. and arms Amen. that we left with the Taliban. Yeah. So some unit out there doesn't have what they need because we gave it to the Taliban. Mm. So if you just stop and think about the National Guard, for example, and you ask yourself how many how many National Guard units could be equipped with modern capabilities if we had that equipment and could give it to them? And I can tell you that it's uh, almost a whole guard. Mm. Well, you know, I was incensed to see the way that we left Afghanistan, and but I would think that a military person would, uh, it would be not only heartbreaking, but it'd make you mad. I mean, to see people left behind, and it, it was one of the greatest failures, I think, in my lifetime that I've seen. Andrew, I think it is the greatest uh, foreign policy failure in the history of this nation, and I said that at the time. We, we violated an ethos yeah. that was absolutely the bedrock of who we are as a nation. And that is, we'll leave no man behind. We're not going to leave Americans behind. We're not going to leave people that we're obligated to behind. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And why did we do that? And we did that because the commander in chief wouldn't listen to the people that really had a better understanding, a better feel for what was what was needed to be done. And uh, God bless the private sector folks that went in there and brought a bunch of people out. They did a great job, yeah, but there were still a lot of people mm -hmm. left in there. They should have come out. We know a number of people that, I mean, got hundreds, thousands of people out of there that were left behind, and, of course, the military equipment, we didn't get that back, but there were people that put their life at risk and stood up where the government should have been doing it. Something mm -hmm. else. Absolutely. Got another question here, Richard? Yes, sir. Well, uh, uh, let's see here. Um, this is a, a really wide question, General, but I think it I think it's appropriate. And it's, uh, in your opinion, what can the average citizen do that's going to help our nation the most right now? Yeah, I'll tell you two things. Uh, one is get registered and vote. If you don't vote, don't don't complain. Hmm. It starts at the ballot box. Well, it really starts on your knees. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Amen. And, and the power of Americans praying for this country, I'm, I'm just in the last three or four years beginning to realize just how powerful it is when Christians come together and pray and do so consistently and, and join their their hearts and their and their love for Jesus Christ together in praying for this country. This country can be saved. We can turn things around. 
we've got to be willing to do that. And I will say the final thing is this. For everybody in this country, if you're not reading the Bible every single day, every single day, you're missing a blessing. Amen. And you need to be reading the Bible now intently because I promise you there are things in there that you see unfolding right now. You see the beginnings of, of things happening right now. And if you don't know that it's that's that's prophetic, then then you're you're missing it. You're looking at it the wrong way, or you don't see it at all. But if you know what prophecy says, and I don't want to get into any prophetic squabbles with anybody about anything mm -hmm. on on prophecy, especially, but prophecy is just as important today as it was at any point in the history of this world. And you need to know by reading the Bible what prophecy tells us is going to happen, and then you keep your eyes open because you're seeing things happening all around the world right now. You know, let me just add something to that. I'm, I agree with you 100% uh, reading the Bible. Man, that's what I push all the time. Mm -hmm. But let me say that there are a lot of people that when they read about these prophecies, they just get a uh, fatalistic attitude like, well, this is going to happen, so we just have to go with the flow. It's my opinion that God doesn't have a date circled in heaven where the end times are going to happen. It's when People let the ungodly, it's like weeds growing. If you don't keep them chopped down, well, then yes, they are going to take over. And yes, they will do this. But man, on my watch, I'm going to chop as many weeds down as I possibly can. And I think we can prolong the blessing that has been on this nation. We do not have to just fatalistically submit and allow these things to happen. I agree. Well, General, I got, I'd like to ask you about uh, the condition of our schools in America and what we need to do about it. I know that FRC is involved in that and, and helping parents become educated and so on. And this is an off year, so in a lot of places there aren't school board or there aren't normal elections, but there are a lot of school board elections in these off years. And yeah. um, what do you know about what's happening there? Is the is the parent uprising having uh, success? Are we seeing progress? I saw a headline that the Denver Public schools, many of them are closed, and I saw some in California or Washington, Seattle, I think it is. They're needing to close schools, and it's because of this exodus as people are starting to homeschool and, and pulling their Praise kids God. out. But what, what do we need to know as Americans here? What's our duty? What do we need to do? Yeah, uh, first of all, it, as you know, I live in Virginia, and we would not have our governor if it were not for mothers in Loudoun County, Virginia. Yep. that just said, and these were not necessarily all uh, conservative mothers, but they were mothers that cared about their kids and uh, were not willing for to cross a certain line with regards to their kids' education. And that's happening all over the country. David Barton, one of one of yours, I consider him one of yours because yep. he does so much with We you. claim Yeah, him. he is. Yeah, we, we accept that. <laughs> He's yeah. on our board of directors for Truth and Liberty. What a blessing. Well, David... David told me uh, about a year and a half ago after the 2020 election that we took school board seats all over the country. Amen. It there was not a big hullabaloo about it, but we took school board seats. We at the Family Research Council run training for anybody that wants to 
run for school board. We'll we'll teach them how to run a campaign. We'll show them how to uh, do a uh, a request for uh, classified information, which is otherwise known as a Freedom of Information Act. Yeah. We'll show them how to do the, F the FOIAs, and uh, and we'll help them uh, to run. And and also that includes any office that they want to run. We have a C4, so we do we do training for uh, people that are running for Congress or whatever it might be. But uh, this this is the this is what's going to. I believe this is what's going to bring a lot of what we see the left doing to a halt. It's got to, yep. because Americans are waking up saying, "Wait a minute, I've been listening to you long enough." You get out of my kid's life. You, you have no place in our in our education system. And I think that uh, I think this is a really important issue to most Americans today. And you're going to see this issue grow. I think it's not going to let up. It's going to grow. School choice is going to grow. Amen. Well, you know, here in Colorado, we had the governor and and some of his cronies take over, and the way they started was through school boards, then city councils. They did it from the bottom up. That's the way they turned this state liberal, and that's the way we're planning on turning it back conservative. We're just Good about thing. out of time, General, but let me just say thank you again for being with us, especially after you just coming off of surgery. We appreciate you and so glad that you're still with us. You're a blessing, and well, we're thank you. glad to have thank you on you the front much. lines. And so we thank okay. all of you for joining us, too, all those of you who watch us. Remember that we do this every Monday night at uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and we're starting on March the 6th, a daily uh, call-in show from 3.30 till 5 o'clock p.m., uh, Truth and Liberty, five days a week, and it's going to be awesome. And so go to our website and check that out. Again, join with us for $5 or more per month. You can be a partner. And we also want to thank CTN for being with us and carrying this on their network. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you again next week for Truth and Liberty Live. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net.